Yeah, we all got vaginas. Hello and welcome to episode number 215 of Grumpy Old Benz. That's right. Episode 215 on 315. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's way better if your heart skips a beat than if it totally stops. And from America's left coast, where I've already made all my Ides of March jokes, but uh, no, from America's left coast, where being Republican will soon be illegal. I'm Ryan Bemrose. They keep trying and I'm just, I'm glad you're alive. No, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding by the way. <laughs> that, that, that's some legislation in front of the Washington state legislature. Really? Just, yeah. Just letting you know. Wow. I mean, so they're not even hiding the insanity anymore. Well, they don't specifically say Republican in the legislation, but this is, this is from the brainchild of uh, our, our beloved attorney general sideshow, Bob Ferguson. Uh, who is does aggressively? He have, does he huh? have the hair of Sideshow Bob? I, no, he's a weaselly little fuck. No, uh, he's also the front runner when uh, when our our current emperor Jay Inslee, Jay fucking Inslee, decides to step down because he's already announced he's not going to run again in 2024. Um, Sideshow Bob is the front runner for being the Democrat nominee for governor, and as as you may know. Uh, you know, dis- despite everybody screeching about how uh, we're a democracy, they all say we're a democracy. They don't understand the word republic, but that's OK. Um, when when you're the the party itself, the party mucky mucks get to decide who is the nominee. And then you're in a place where whoever has the D by their name just goes in by fiat. That's then that's not democracy. That's not republic. That's really just an oligarchy. But anyway, I can't. Uh, well, no, show Bob. Huh? Why is is Inslee? Is he have bigger and better aspirations in his mind, or is he just? I don't know. That? Maybe he thinks he's going to make another run at the presidency or something. I don't know. He just announced that he is. I mean, he he's been a three term governor now, so yeah. twelve years fucking up the state. I mean, that's quite a run. Yeah, but he's really good at it. He he is that, but I think he wants to fuck up bigger and better things. Well, I can't, I, so, you know, I can't really, I can't fault him for that. We all want to keep getting better at our jobs. Yes. So this legislation would uh, classify conservative speech. Well, again, they don't say conservative speech. Uh, okay. Let me, let me back up. Uh, the legislation HB 1333 and Senate bill 5427, which is currently in the Senate ways and means committee. Uh, the bill title is concerning people who have been targeted or affected by hate crimes and bias incidents. And if that's not a loaded title. Well, yes, because as we've learned with the AIs, the chat GPTs, it's okay to be racist and sexist and hateful as long as it's against the white Republican guy. Yes, that is important. And, uh, and, and really, I mean, who out there can't claim to have been targeted or affected by hate crimes or bias incidents. Well, that's because I mean, understanding that that is such, it's casting such a wide net and how that is very, uh, I, I don't like using the word problematic because it's a lefty favorite word, but, but it is, 
and there's a reason for that, I suppose, because you're casting such a wide net and there's no real way to decipher like, well, what is a hate crime and what's not? Well, if a white guy kills a black guy, totally a hate crime. No, if a black woman kills a white woman, no, no, that wasn't a hate well, crime. No, you're you're asking the important questions. But fortunately, uh, Sideshow Bob has this covered. Uh, the bill uh, wants to establish a 13 member government panel oh. to answer exactly those questions. This panel, of course, would be appointed by him or Inslee or whoever, you know, whichever Democrat lackey decides that they want to infringe the First Amendment the most. Uh, the panel would determine what constitutes disinformation and misinformation rising to the level of domestic violent extremism. Oh, of course. Uh, the quote, the idea behind the bill is to take preemptive measures to stop actual domestic terrorist acts through community intervention, such as compelling people identified as extremists to undergo counseling. So conservatives. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, obviously the 13 member panel, I mean, you know, they might throw uh, a bone to the Republicans and say, of course, we're bipartisan. Five of the 13 members are Republicans. You know, it's going to be such a we're diverse get, committee, too. Yeah. And, and you know, the, all five of those will be, you know, the most dislikable white men they can find. And the, the rest of the committee will all be uh, people of a myriad of colors and ethnicities and all female, of course. Uh, except for the ones that are trans female, because you've got to fill in that quota and they will be beautiful and diverse and really interesting to look at. And every single one of them will not have a thought in their head except to vote in lockstep to whatever their governor overlord says. And what their overlord is going to say is Republicans need to be illegal. That, that religious white guy doesn't want me to kill my baby. What a horrible person. So I'm extrapolating a lot here. But the very idea is is it's very ministry of truth. It's it's very uh, a disinformation board. It's uh, it's coming up with a, a group of handpicked people who are going to decide uh, red flag laws. Or you know they're not they're not satisfied stomping on the Second Amendment with red flag laws, which are all blatantly unconstitutional. Now they're going to do it with the First Amendment as well. And they are coming up with a group of people who can decide uh, if you say the wrong thing, then you are a domestic violent extremist and we are going to take your rights away. You know, that's what they say to undergo right. counseling or something like that. But if somebody else that they like says the same thing, then it's fine, which is the biggest issue I think we have moving forward as a country is that we cannot be a nation of laws. If the laws are not colorblind, if you can't say, well, this person did this, well, then are they guilty or not? Well, you can't have it be like, well, this person did this. And then the flow chart goes, are they white or black? I mean, and not not just colorblind. It's it should be. And this this goes against the preamble to every woke document ever, which says, you know, discrimination based on and then enumerates a list of ways they want to discriminate. But. It, it, I, well. The phrase equal protection under the law does, in fact, exist in the U.S. Constitution. But the lefties don't seem to really comprehend what that means. Right. It, it, it it's it's not super difficult to figure out. All people deserve 
equal protection under the law. And they're saying, oh, of course, of course. But meanwhile, is San Francisco has decided that they're going to give $5 million to each black person who lives in San Francisco. Another story I read this week. Yes. <laughs> and it's, be, well, it's beyond that because it's $5 million, And you would think that would be enough. You would think that is how insane that is, that we're just going to give every eligible black person in San Francisco $5 million. And what the hell is eligible? That wasn't clear at all. You've had to live there a certain amount a year. I mean, there were some weird Totally dark skin. Yes. I don't know they, if they're they going to have that a color card. Yes. You know, the, the, the meme from uh family guy, the card that shows, okay, you know, this person gets $5 million. This person gets their taxes jacked up. Right. You know, if your skin is just a little too light, then you're, you're out. It's, it's a horrible thing, but that is not treating everybody equally. This is the concept that we can make right a wrong that happened many, many years in the past is absolutely insane. But yeah, two things. First of all, you can't. No, it happened. Unless you find a time machine, you can't erase the bad thing that happened. But secondly, nobody alive was there. (laughs) Right. And and I I know, you know, the in fact, the the muckety muck who was pushing this at the press conference in San Francisco actually pulled this out. They said, well, the the detractors who say that that it's about, you know, people who were never slave owners don't seem to understand. you got to love that phrase. That's the most condescending thing you can say. You don't understand. You need to understand that the, you know, we have a, a history and historically institutions that that were founded in racism have progressed the, you know, have, have propagated the racism and systemic uh, discrimination through the institutions. And, and by the way, the, this argument always, every single time it, it functions directly through the fallacy of stereotyping. You cannot think about individuals and actually believe in the concept of institutional racism. The only way you can do it is to anthropomorphize institutions and abstract demographic groups. It's the only possible way you can bend your mind to think that institutional racism exists, even to the point where you need to completely screw over people who were never slaveholders so you can give money to people who were never slaves. And then to ask where that money is coming from. But this, again, is not just a one time payment. We'll talk about that figure in a second, but it's also a guaranteed like $79,000 a year job, which I don't know what that entails of how you can. I, I'm pretty sure the job involves, well, we want you to uh, um, fill out a report once a week and, you know, it's optional, but right. once, yeah, just, just once a year, put your name down on a W2 form and, and we'll send you a paycheck for that. Oh, and by the way, it's a, a remote work position, so you don't need to come in. Right. And it was what? A house or something for a dollar that for the next 250 years, which you know what property costs in San Francisco, right? Yes. So that I, is a big part of it. So let's, you know, there's this isn't just a one-time payment. There's property involved. There is a yearly fee involved with $79,000 that they're going to be getting. But think about that. The average person, you know, just more or less works about 45 years of their life. You know, if you start working, 
say whether it's after high school, after college, you start working between 18 and 22. Most people work to they're about 65. Maybe it's a little later. Maybe it's a little earlier now, but uh, more, more like 32, depending on how many years you can coax out of those college loans. That's true, too. <laughs> so I think this might be the high end, which is 45 years that you work. And as of this point, maybe it's not a great salary, I understand, in San Francisco, but throughout most of the United States. It is if you can get a housing for a dollar. Yeah, that's true. Now, if you can get... The reason you need so much money to live in San Francisco is because housing is expensive. Yes. Now, for a really good salary, most people, I think, would be happy making 100000 a year. Well, think about that. If you work that's, 45 years... That's close years, to the poverty line here. Yeah, well, if you work 45 years at 100000 a year... That's $4.5 million. They're paying everyone 5 million. So it's like, you're basically going, let's give these people a lifetime worth of salary at one time, free housing and a guaranteed job, whatever that's going to be, which will make them another 79,000, which will bring them up. What? Another 3 million for their life. It's like, this is insane. And and remember that, uh, by the way, something, as we know, progressives can't do math. Um, there are about, and, and the, this was a stat I pulled out of the article. I don't know if how true it is, but there's about 50,000 quote unquote black people, you know, whatever that means living in San Francisco. Let's there's a lot assume, moving there right now. Yeah. There's a lot moving there right now, but let's take the 50,000 number as how many people will qualify and the other 50,000 who are all moving there today. Right. I uh, might not qualify. That's yeah, they're fine. not grandfather. I don't that that I think is one of the things but, is that you can't just move in tomorrow and be like, I want my 5 million because can you imagine that? You know, that'll be an amendment. Don't worry. Can you imagine the gold rush concept of what's going on here? Can you imagine San you know, Francisco? What, what I can imagine is inside the pea brains of these city bureaucrats going, well, why stop at just San Francisco? We can virtue signal the correction of racism for everybody. And yep. then they'll tax the citizens of San Francisco to correct racism everywhere in the country. And that's it. Right and now, you look at what people are, as far as with the national debt, what number that is. And that's, you know, however many thousand per family or per person owes on the debt. How do you pay for this? Where is that well, money coming from? Just to, to be clear, um, what fifty thousand people times yeah. five million each? Um, that's that's multiple trillions. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes, that's uh, what's two point five trillion or two hundred and fifty uh, trillion? Two hundred fifty trillion. Holy moly! So a yeah. quarter of a billion dollar. No, uh, what's what's after a trillion? No, it's two hundred and fifty uh, billion. Right, that's what it what? is. Oh, is it 200? Well, uh, so it's a quarter math. of a trillion, Mr. It's math a quarter major. of a trillion dollars. Yeah. Yes. Just for the, the initial outlet. Yes. In, then in you, one city. Then you factor in, by the way, and, and that, uh, that's like more than the GDP of San Francisco. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, so, so they, so they, they, they have, have to raise taxes into on everybody in San Francisco to a hundred percent. They still can't afford this. They're going to start printing money. They're going to have to initiate hyperinflation. They have to bring in to San Francisco dollars. It's like a different currency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll issue a San Francisco shitcoin. <laughs> it'll be Governor Newsom shitcoin. There. Fact, I love well, it. Well, it'll. Well, yeah. 
it'll be, you know what? It's not going to be dollars. They're not going to issue dollars at all. These 5 million are going to be, uh, they'll, they'll start out stable, but very, very early on, they'll uh, uh, unpin it to the dollar, but they'll say, we're going to issue uh, 5 million uh, Central Bank of California digital currency. <laughs> I love it. This could be just like the Silicon Valley Bank. It could be, which, by the way, is being bailed out. Well, of course, because they're like, oh, no, these ultra woke people that gave billions of dollars to things that were never going to make money in the first place. We got to bail them out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, well, OK. I, <laughs> I actually like the solution that the UK had. Silicon Valley Bank UK has been purchased for one pound by HSBC in the UK. The one thing I like about that solution is it's non-governmental. And it's HSBC coming out, seeing an opportunity, buying another large bank for a pittance and going, yeah, we'll go ahead and bail out all the UK businesses. They're suddenly a hero. They now own a lot more assets. And the UK government, although they facilitated, didn't have to do anything in the US. Now, Biden's like, oh, sure, you're, you know, you're out a few billion dollars. We'll just we'll just front that. We'll just print more. I mean, we can't even take it from all the money we're giving to Ukraine. Let's just give it to some, uh. well and that's the problem and i covered that on random thoughts today because uh just the news did actually some good journalisming and looked at where that bank the silicon valley bank was putting their money and they were investing heavily in green things and lgbtq things and diversity things and guess what they went broke oh yeah and <laughs> congratulations um, yeah, Zero Hedge had, uh, well, the, the article, one of the articles I read from Zero Hedge was uh, a bunch of, well, this wasn't uh, SVB, but uh, uh, Signature Bank, which apparently was the other one that went from New York, where uh, their all-female board of directors, instead of doing things like, oh, I don't know, fiscally responsibly managing the bank, they were making TikTok videos, and Zero Hedge featured a bunch of them. Wow. Which admittedly is not directly related to the collapse of the bank. Other than these people are clearly idiots. Yes. That had no business running a financial institution. Oh no, but we're woke. We're diverse. Yeah. We're all female. Yeah. We all got vaginas. Now you're all broke. Good work. <laughs> and also everybody who put their trust in you. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem. Although the end result on a lot of this is, Perhaps exactly what folks like that wanted, because what they want is to be able to go, you see, you see, capitalism doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and everybody is gloating at this point. The the progressives are all going, see, capitalism doesn't work. We all need communism now. And of course, you know, Biden is going to try to make that happen. And then on the other side, you've got all the gloaters from the right going. Get woke, go broke. And uh, wokeness obviously is is an indicator of this. I don't think wokeness caused this. I think that it it, it has little to do with wokeness that people are making terrible investments. And a big part of that is the incentive structure the the federal government established back in 2008 that, hey, if you're a bank and you're big enough and you decide to run with a zero percent deposits on hand and make a bunch of investments in people who clearly will never pay you back 
and eventually start sending the wrong signals and get a run on your bank and uh, lose all of your liquidity and your entire bank collapses, don't worry. Because in that case, the federal government will step in and hand you more money. And the moment you've established that precedent, now investors are like, hey, you know, this says that it has a 74% risk of losing all of my money, but it doesn't matter because if I lose all my money, so will thousands of other people and it'll be so big, the federal government will make sure that I get my money back. So no risk. Let's do it. I don't know how they decide who gets the FDIC backing because they're obviously giving it to a lot of banks who don't know how to be banks. Well, the, the, the secured funds FDIC that's established by law. And it was law that was established before the entire federal government lost their fucking minds a few years ago. But that's just for small, you know, small account holders under a hundred thousand. It's like every single unsecured loan. They should be losing principles. Like that's what the word unsecured means. You signed the document. We're going to hold you to it. That's the way, as far as I'm concerned, that's how it should happen. Yeah. And when they're putting money into things that they know are not fiscally sound, but, oh, it fits our woke agenda. Then you really have to wonder why you would bail them out. Except again, that's what the Biden administration and the folks around crazy uncle Joe, that's exactly what they want to happen, which is let's accelerate the crashing of this system that we've been using so we can change it, make it different. And every government bailout makes the entire situation 10 times worse because they are setting up perverse incentives. They're yes. setting up incentives for these people to say, well, we don't have to worry about it because we've got enough politicians in our pocket that the taxpayers will bail us out. If the absolutely expected result of our high risk investments tanking comes to pass, don't worry, we'll never lose a dime. It'll just be the taxpayers. We're just going to put everything into the decarbonization of the energy sector. No, that's not going to work. I mean, the stat that I saw was that if you were to go down that route, if you were somehow magically able to do this and go the decarbonization route, every family in America would pay $8,000 a year more in their energy costs. I don't know anybody that can afford that. $8,000 to heat your home to air condition your home, to drive. Obviously that, you know, the only way to resolve that weird math conundrum, you can't possibly, you know, reduce the costs. You just nationalize the entire energy sector. Right. Duh. No doubt. No doubt. And besides, you know, that's also assuming a zero sum game, which is not the way that our current administration does things. Instead, you know, they're not, raising taxes on you to pay for products. What they're doing is they're taxing the money underneath your mattress through inflation. Well, a lot of people don't get that. It's far easier. Yeah. Your money loses. It's so much easier to get away with completely nullifying people's money and going, yeah, you sure you still have a hundred thousand that might buy you a loaf of bread tomorrow. than it is to say, Oh, we're going to take 98% of your money. You know, people fight back when things are physically taken. But if you just make the thing worthless. Is this why they're like, you know, five million. That's that's no big deal. Five million. We're giving these people five million each. But that's worth like 30 bucks in real money. Yeah. I mean, it will be by the time they get this going. Maybe that's it. And then it's like, ha ha, we gave you five million. But now you're broke like everybody else because the five million is worth zero. Yeah. Well, uh, here's the thing. 
here's what happens if you actually give five million to every black person in San Francisco. First of all, all of the people who aren't black will move out. They're just sorry. Yeah, you know, my government is not working for me. My government is actively inserting the spike dildo and they'll leave. And now you have a whole bunch of people who are completely flush with cash. The, you know, you think gentrification in the San Francisco barrier was bad before. Every single person is going to be like, well, I got five million to drop on a home. And pretty soon a one bedroom bungalow in San Francisco will be five million. Actually, that might be how much it costs now. But it, the, the costs of living in that city are going to skyrocket. The whole city will become Detroit. The, it'll be a ghost town. Everybody leaves. The few people that are left are going to have absolutely no discipline because none of them are going to have to work anymore. So they've got all this time off. You know, I'm, I'm not going to specifically spout crime stats based on race, but what you have then is a whole bunch of sedentary people who are incentivized not to do anything with their lives. Right. Uh, Crime follows that. Well, and then they're going to be, they're going to be targets. There's no, because every black person that doesn't live in San Francisco is going to be looking for their relatives in San Francisco. Yeah. I can just see raiding parties coming across the bridge from Oakland. This is true. In Oakland, there's there's a lot of dangerous characters in the Oakland area. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's that one he podcasts. But anyway, it is something that I don't think people understand the end result of and this kind of stuff being as dangerous and as detrimental that it is. Just again, no matter what they say, I think that everybody in San Francisco that's not getting a payout is going to be like, this isn't fair. I mean, again, this is just like everything from the weather underground, which was, Hey, you got to make the rich mad at the poor and the poor mad at the rich and the people that are cops and mad at the non-cops and vice versa and the white against black. But what do you think is going to happen here in San Francisco is going to be a little Petri dish of this, that everybody that lives there and you have to realize that it's like, it's your money. That's going to pay these folks that are getting the payouts. And there's going to be black people. And this is the great thing because there's going to be black people in San Francisco who haven't been there long enough or don't qualify for this, who are going to be paying off the other black people who were there two days longer than them or something. Oh, yay. You're creating two different classes of citizens again. More divisiveness that they are. That's 100 percent what's going on. Okay, so at this point, the, the cynical part of me is looking at this and going, first of all, Everybody who lives in San Francisco and is bought in to this blatantly racist, discriminatory, divisive bullshit deserves what they're going to get. Yeah. And every single person who still lives in San Francisco who doesn't buy into it, you have had ample opportunity to get the fuck out of California. Larry, are you listening to me? This is coming to (laughs) L.A. next. Get out. It's the Lord of the Flies, baby. It's going to be a fun to watch as long as you're not there. And, and I'm not there. And I've got like another two or three years before the people up here in Washington settle on this and go, oh, yeah, the idea is taxing everybody to pay money to a small group. That's totally inclusive, right? Yeah. And who and, thinks that reparations for something that happened to generations previous and you can't even prove it, it didn't happen. Right. It, 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 it. OK, it happened to people who we can't we cannot. Uh, accommodate we cannot make good for the people it happened to i'm sorry that's the way it works 
Nature is a bitch. Animals eat other animals. It's not, maybe it's not fair that the poor baby deer gets eaten by a bear. But you know what? The bear is okay with that. And the deer doesn't really get a choice afterward. And what are you going to do? Are you going to give reparations to all deer? Well, I don't know. Back in the day, they had forest management policies. I think California still does this where they go out and they kill all wolves because it's not fair to the deer. And you know what happens? The deer population explodes. Then suddenly there's more deer than there is food. They die off anyway. But this time it's from starvation which is a lot harder to make reparations for. And, oh, I guess your meddling fucked everything up again. Nature is a balance. You cannot make everything right. You dumbass leftist retards. You cannot make everything right. The world is unfair. You can't fix this. Stop trying. You're making everything worse for everybody. Yeah, because like I said before, quick the Irish were totally screwed over by the British. So I'm just waiting for my check. Yeah, (laughs) this is this would be a never ending thing. And it's not only a black issue. Sorry, you got skipped over. You are now the Irish are now white. The Irish are now the oppressors. And the people that the British are talking about reparations for is all of the illegal migrants from northern Africa. Right. Well, and if I know my history, you know who the original slave sellers were. They were black folk. Imagine that. Uh huh. Well, everybody. (laughs) Yes. And slavery, here's the thing that pisses me off more than anything else about this kind of fucking insanity from the fucking idiots in San Francisco. Is there still slavery going on in Africa? Do you guys fucking care? You're worried about what happened hundreds of years ago. There's going to be slavery going on in San Francisco as you suddenly create a (laughs) wage slave class who are the ones who didn't quite make their their cutoff for the five million dollars. Uh-huh. What that's going to do to the. The whole economy in San Francisco, there's a lot of people aren't going to be, as you said, not going to be interested in working. And I don't understand, again, the guaranteed job, because once you get a five million dollar one time payment, most people in their life will never have five million dollars in the bank invested in anything. Speak for yourself. I intend for some patron to come in and donate five million dollars to Grumpy Old Benz and ask us to immediately cease production of the show. I'd do it. (laughs) No, really? Yeah. For five stars, another show. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Happy old Benz. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, yeah, uh, rich old Benz. Uh-huh. <laughs> As uh, provided by one very kind donor who came in at $5 million. Yeah, I just I fucking take it. Uh-huh. So if you're out house. there, if you're, if you're infirm in bad health, you're 95 years old, you're listening to the show and you're sitting on a billion dollars, remember grumpy old Benz in your will. Yes. So I am so glad that this this racist woke idiocy has not come from California to my state yet. Right now, we're still satisfied with creating divisiveness by making it illegal to have any political opinions other than what the establishment wants. Yeah, well, I'm just glad you're still alive since they're hunting podcasters in your neck of the woods now. (laughs) That they are. Like, whoa, that's really? Oh, like it was in your backyard. How far was that from you? Uh. 40 miles. Nice. That's south end of Seattle. Damn. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm up at the north end where I, it's a little more rural. I mean, not it, the Seattle and the Seattle aura has expanded as far as my city and I need to get out. But when I first moved here 15 years ago, uh, it, it was much more blue collar and much nicer, but it's, it's not anymore. 
but yeah, uh, we, so we've got, uh, we've got a new law it says, uh, we're addressing, uh, hate crimes and bias incidents and domestic violence. And you know what? Screw you, Sideshow Bob. We already have laws that address violence. You're trying to kill speech and it's just as unconstitutional. But these days, judges still kind of have a hard on for the First Amendment, even if they've abandoned the second. You hope you hope, hope it remains that way. Yeah, I, I, it won't. Uh, the Washington State Supreme Court has been completely compromised for a while. But well, anytime they put the word hate in front of something, you know, there's a scam going on. You know, there's something even more racist going on when people try to do this. And, and if you just think about the pure denotation, hate is a very emotional word. And it's or it's denotation is that you are implying an emotional uh, purpose behind an action. And you can never prove that, which means you just have to infer it. You just have to assume it. And you're going to get it wrong, but that doesn't really matter because what it does is introduce enough wiggle room in the law. The moment you create a hate law, it is built up with enough wiggle room and enough loopholes to start driving trains through. And that's exactly what you want if your goal is to tear down the rule of law and bring in the rule of emotional, emotionally stunted children who lash out at whatever they see whenever they see it if they don't like it which is kind of what I'm calling the progressives at this point. It's a long title, (laughs) but it's accurate at least, but that's it. When it comes to the hate crime stuff, they see things in such simplistic ways. As we mentioned earlier, Oh no, if a white guy kills a black guy, well then it's obviously a hate crime. It's a racist, racially motivated hate crime. And then like three days after that, the news is, Oh, wait, they were lovers. They were gay. Oh, no. Well, is this still a hate crime then? Well, I I mean, it's to to the point where if if two people are both staring at their phones and mutually slam into each other on the street, it is automatically (laughs) a hate crime on the part of the white guy. Yeah, that's obvious. I don't know why you can't see that. That seems obvious to me. Well, maybe I can't see it because I'm colorblind. Yes, maybe. Which is apparently a, a right wing talking point these days. Which, when you go back into history, which is one of the reasons why the as, commies don't want actually, you to learn it. As an actually colorblind person, I'm pretty pissed off at the cultural appropriation of people who talk about lack of racism as colorblindness. Uh-huh. That's not fair. I demand my reparations now. There was the fight, Martin Luther King Jr. The fight oh, was that guy. to be, have he everybody, canceled? yeah, well, he's, he's kind of been canceled now. But with a bullet, the concept, though, here is the the fight was allegedly so everybody was viewed equally. Everybody was given the same chance. Not everybody wins. Not we need equity because everybody has to succeed. No. The what this has morphed into now for what people consider to be fair and just just think about that back in the 50s and 60s. It was fair and just. The thought was for everybody to just be treated equally. How easy is that? How simple is that? How much sense does that make as opposed well, to now? To, it's easy to implement and it is in fact fair. The, you know, it's, it's amazing the incredible difference between equality and equity, two terms that are often mistaken for each other, but they could not possibly be any more different. 
the equality is the ultimate of fairness and in fact is a prerequisite for a functioning society or uh, yeah the equality of opportunity the equal protection under the law the idea that you know if if you are going to have a rule of law the only possible way that it can function is that it treats everybody the same under yes. the rules the rule and is not equity, oh wait you shoplifted a thousand dollars from macy's okay if you're white, you go to jail. If you're black, you get a pat on the back and say, well, you're the victim here. Yeah. Equality is is a, a fundamentally simple concept, which underlies the very concept of a rule of law. It is tremendously easy to implement because you don't have to break your brain. It, it, it's amazing. Every time I get into an argument with a left art where they are twisting their brain in knots, trying to explain that. You have to bring in this historical, cultural context of what happened. No, equality is a very simple thing. This is a person. This is a person. Let's not get into AI right now. They both get treated equally. I don't care about context. I don't want to know about context. You can you can bring in context. And I know it sounds terrible when you're like, oh, no, but but this person has stubbed his toe on every table they've walked by for the last 10 years. And this person keeps finding $10 bills on the sidewalk. And that's not fair. Well, maybe it's not. But instituting a system of reparations for that guarantees that the unfairness will continue indefinitely. Whereas assuming that, you know, maybe the luck will turn around, maybe it won't. But the only way that you can actually work with these people without creating more inequality is to treat them equally. The problem with doing that, of course, is that sometimes somebody finds a $20 bill on the road and sometimes someone stubs their toe and that's not right. And under equity, which is often mistaken, you have to tear the $20 bill in half and give it to each person and then take the person with the working toe and hit it with a hammer so that both of them have an equal outcome. Right. Well, and that's it. Under equality, if you break a law, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, male, female, transgender, whatever. You, if you do the crime, you do the time, as uh, the late, great, what was it, uh, Beretta, Robert Blake just passed away. Um, but this is the concept. If you're going to commit a crime, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't get to go, oh, you killed your spouse. Well, if you're a white man, you're going to jail. Oh, Asian woman, you're fine. Nothing to worry about. Equality means everybody is treated equally. There's no, the laws are a whole lot easier if you don't have to put in, unless you're a this, why, yeah, you're, unless you're an XYZ, unless you're a lesbian, oh, no, unless you're a part of this community, oh, unless you're a part of that community, well, then, then you get different treatment. No, everybody gets treated the same. I mean, maybe everybody gets treated just like shit, as Demo Dick Marchenko used to say. I treat everybody the same, just like shit. But you know what? That's a better way to go. That's equality. That yeah. makes more sense. It, it, I, you know, it might be equally bad, but if you treat everybody the same, you're being fair. And if you discriminate, you are creating division. You are creating a good and a bad class. You are ultimately making things worse. And that Subjective is exactly point. what they want. I think. Oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> I have a follow up on uh, the woke publishers modifying books. Oh no, there's more. Uh R.L. Stein, 
who is uh, another made, children's book. Is that he, he was made famous by creating the Goosebumps theory? Yeah, a yeah. series of children's horror. I think I read a couple of those when I was young, but I was a little bit too old for most of it. Um, but Scholastic is the, his publisher, and uh, people started noticing that some of the newer prints of the Goosebumps books had been updated with woke text. Uh, things like uh, the word crazy removed from passages, replaced what? by silly, wild, or stressed. Uh, the word nutcase changed to weirdo. Uh, the words overweight and fat changed to huge. Um, <laughs> because what's the difference? I, d- uh, I mean, you know one- what? I, wait, here. I just have to say this because I just saw the cardiologist the other day and he's like, you know, with the uh, the issues that I've been having with the arrhythmia, he's like, you have a few things going against you. One, you're really tall. Two, you have high blood pressure. Three, you're overweight. Oh, he's not politically correct. I know. I mean, but here's the thing. If you were to replace fat or overweight with huge, that's not better. If, if you're <laughs> married, try that with your wife. Hey, honey, you're looking huge. How is that different? How is that better? That's what I don't understand with a lot of this woke shit. It's the stuff they're changing it to. It doesn't make a difference. Honey, does this dress make me look huge? No, you're just fat. Yeah, right. Do these pants make me look fat? No, honey, your fat makes you look fat. (laughs) Then duck. And other things not to say to your wife. Yes. And then duck and run. If you're smart, get the hell out. Oh, oh, one of my favorite ones from uh, the Goosebumps. Somebody noticed that, uh, there was a description of a evil clown They're horror stories. So of course clowns are evil, uh, who had black ringed eyes and the description was changed to red ringed eyes instead, because we can't possibly have black be bad. That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, people started accusing RL Stein, who by the way is still alive and still collecting royalties. Uh, and, and I might be still making books. I'm not sure. Uh, of, Becoming woke and modifying the books. And he said, I've never changed a word in Goosebumps. I wouldn't want to go back and edit. I've made so many books. I don't want to edit them all. Any changes were never shown to me. The publisher Ooh. just did it on their own. Now, the publisher may own that, which is even more shitty. But uh, as an author, I would be I would be looking at any kind of contracts moving from here on forward on what your yeah. publisher can do to your work. In the uh, in the name of wokeness, in the name of oh, we don't if, want to offend somebody. If I ever signed with a publisher, not you know they, which which would have to be somebody who'd never heard of this podcast, right? If I ever signed with a publisher, one of the things that you I definitely have to look for in any contract is do they have the ability to modify the work without my permission? Because that is a big red flag. And the you know the Goosebumps series and. Uh, um, who, uh, who was the author we had last time, the James and the giant peach, whatever, um, those books were all created back in the eighties and nineties when the contracts of course included standard text for editing, for publishing, but it was well understood by both sides that the standard text that said the publisher could change words was in case you screwed up your grammar, in case you misspelled something, then they wouldn't be forced to go back to the author for every single spelling error when they just wanted to correct a word. Well, if you're an author now, you need to insist that they do because the publishers are now coming out, you know, especially the children's and young adults publishers, which are uh, reportedly from both articles I've read and also somebody that I know who is adjacent to the industry. 
are extremely woke. They are feeding as much progressive propaganda as they possibly can to your children through right. children's books. Well, yeah, because their but, brains are sponges. Yeah. And, you know, so R.L. Stein was the latest person to get all of his books are being reprinted with changes to make them more politically correct. And he's, you know, he didn't say it was a bad thing. He just said, they're not involving me at all. And uh, Baron Spud, the money knows Roald, uh, Roald Dahl. That's a weird first name. Roald but Dahl. That, that yes. was the, uh, that was him on the last one. Um, another follow-up to the same story uh, was this one. This one's a little bit more egregious and also I think illegal, although Canada might have weird laws. Um, oh, that an do. activist, an activist in Toronto who has, uh, who runs a website for trans rights has been buying up copies of Harry Potter from local bookshops, um, replacing the cover page, stripping JK's Rowling's name from the books entirely, removing her name from the copyright page on the second in, you know, inside the cover and then reselling the books. It, this is a little too much free time on someone's hands. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that I, I think this is, pretty close to textbook plagiarism but um i i mean this is i cannot possibly see i couldn't find a, a particular law in the two minutes that i spent researching this but this has got to be illegal but uh lore flom which is l-a-u-r-f-l-o-m lore flom okay uh, activists have names now i guess yeah. that's uh, barely a name it, 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 a trans rights activist so he might have been formerly known as laura I, I only dead name because this is a behavior that I don't respect. And therefore I want to disrespect this person um, says that he's doing it to quote, help out any Harry Potter fans who find that they have ethical issues with the author, but still want to read her books. Uh, his motivation was the allegations of transphobia against uh, Rowling. And I want to highlight the word allegations because yes. she's never been convicted of anything. Just by she's been convicted in the court of the woke mob, but that's it. Well, yeah, she said things that are true. You know, that'll get you. That'll get you canceled. I, I had to go back because I, I was sitting here going, what could possibly be justify trying to erase the author's name from a series of books? And apparently this this flom dude has been doing this for more than a year. What could po she could possibly have done? To do may be so bad. I, I, I have, uh, and, you know, not going to name names, but I happen to be best friends with somebody who is trans and generally listens to me, but also listens to activists in the trans community because that's where a lot of information comes from. And I got from her something like, oh, well, you know, JK Rowling because she's so transphobic. I'm like, what, what do you mean transphobic? What did she do? Why is it right. that? That everybody in the activism community around transphobic rights or whatever, that every single one of them just knows in their heart of hearts that she is the most horrible human being ever. So what did she do for this? I went to Wikipedia because anything <laughs> that will get somebody canceled, anything possibly right wing that anybody does will be listed in a list of controversies on the JK Rowling Wikipedia page. By the way, it wasn't. Why? Really? Because I had to go to a sub page, a page of 7,600 words called political views of JK Rowling. Oh, well, go Wikipedia. How dare she? 
How dare she? 7,600 word article. Most, most topics in Wikipedia do not have that much, but this is political views of JK Rowling. There's an entire long ass article. Okay, whatever. What did she do? Well, first she liked a 2018 tweet calling transgender women, men in dresses. She liked the tweet. Wow. Um, she Riveted. tweeted at one point, uh, if sex isn't real, then there's no same sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women is globally erased. That's transphobic. I'm not even sure what that means other than, you know, pointing out, okay, if you're going to deny that women have, you, you, it's, it's taking the, the female perspective of uh, if you're telling me that, that sex is fluid, then suddenly the, you know, the experience and reality of all women is nothing. It, yes. I don't know. And that seems to be, cause you're seeing this in sports now. This is getting to be a big deal. You're seeing more and more stories with this. And Jill Biden, I mean, on National Women's Day, gave the like Woman of the Year award to a trans woman. And, of course. you know, again, this is again because you got to be woke. But be- because because and take this down, the Biden administration believes, as most progressive Democrats do, that biological women are second class citizens. Right. We're going right back to the days of the patriarchy. You are getting back there. And this goes back to, uh, you know, the last round of this kind of stuff was the sportscaster, Jimmy, the Greek, or maybe it was more like with betting that Jimmy, the Greek made a comment that black athletes were better than white athletes because of their DNA. And they were you know predisposed to have strong legs or whatever. And it's like people took offense to that. But the question came <laughs> down from anybody who could think like, well, is that true? You know, is it? Is it provable? Yes, I think it is. And pretending everybody's the same, that's the fucking problem because everybody is not the same. Well, yeah, and I I mean, there there might be statistical correlation with regards to skin color, but there's a simple fact that, um, oh, some people are more athletic than others. There's a reason why I'm not in the NBA. Yes. I'm not tall enough. I'm not in shape. I have no dexterity. There is, yes, there are certain things about people's DNA. And apparently I have the wrong skin color. Yeah, that is true too. But saying that trans women and biological women are the same, that's just a fucking lie. I'm not saying somebody shouldn't do whatever they want to live the life they way, the way they want to. And, and, and to be clear, you're not saying one is better than the other. You might no. believe it, but that's not what you're saying right now. Right. Well, I'm saying if it comes down but, to a something like sports where your physical ability strength more than anything is a big deal then yes most trans women are going to be stronger than biological women how weird is it that we have to defend ourselves because it's inherently transphobic or racist to say things like different people have different attributes yes which is exactly why they've gone to the extent that they have to try to weaponize language because so, then they're like, oh, no, you're you're hateful. You are a hate. You hate the trans. It's like, no, but I will admit that if, uh, you know, let's look at Shaquille O'Neal, born a man. If he were to transition, you're telling me he wouldn't be the best female basketball player in the history of the world. I oh, mean, no, Brittany Griner, way better. You think I want to see that I, one? I have no idea. I uh-huh. doubt it. I've never seen Brittany Griner play. I don't care to. No, 
But this is the concept. It's like you can't ignore reality. And that's where the lefties really lose me is that when you ignore the reality to pretend the things are the way you want them to be, they're not. Reality no, they, still they, comes in. They're, they're not ignoring reality. They're just living in a different reality. It's a it's a wonderful, beautiful utopia they created in their head where communism works and everybody can be equal. I guess. I mean, it would be uh, nice to be able to be that ignorant, but you know what else JK Rowling did? No, she wrote in a tweet that the term people who menstruate is demeaning to women. It if is. that's not transphobic, I don't know what is because only biological women menstruate. Now I, I, show me a trans woman that menstruates. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Well, if, if your surgery got really badly fucked up, <laughs> Well, this is where uh, even Mark Hamill, who is another radical lefty, crazy guy, that he came out and liked a J.K. Rowling tweet not that long ago, and everybody oh went my after god, him. cancel him! Uh huh. Because somebody posted something, and the tweet was—I don't remember who the trans activist was—but somebody posted a tweet saying, "Hey, trans activist X Y Z." Is way more a woman than J.K. Rowling will ever be because you know they take these little what? quips. Yes. That was what was tweeted. And J.K. Rowling, and being the transphobic, horrible, hateful person that she is, responded to that tweet with a tweet that simply said, citation needed, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Perfect. I, thought, I, yeah, yeah. I, I know that this marks me as an old dude, but back in my day, being a woman was uh, a boolean. It wasn't something that you could create. There wasn't such a thing as more woman than another other than yes or no. Right. I okay whatever but that was the tweet that Mark Hamill liked of J.K. Rowling and people went after him because you know again if you totally hate somebody they can never say a thing you agree with and I want to clarify just both because I'll get horrible comments for my horrible transphobic words but also because I do respect individuals and that is anybody who decides you know independent of of pre ideally independent of pressuring from their school teachers, somebody who decides that they're in the wrong body and actually wants to go through this system, which has a very uh, powerful and active support group out in the world. And, you know, it, it is more socially acceptable to change your gender now than it ever has been in history. Uh, it's still not quite possible uh, that I don't, don't come tell calling me transphobic for that. It's not possible to fully change your gender. The surgeries can change things on the outside. They don't change your DNA. They don't change some very important things like whether or not you can have a kid, whatever. It, go up against reality. Go live in your own happy communist utopia if you want, but it, it, it doesn't work. But somebody who decides that it is enough for you to change your outward appearance and change how you interact with other people. And if, if that allows you to be happy, then as an individual, by all means, go be happy. But fuck all the activists who take that and say and use it to guilt trip everybody around and say, you know, if you're not pandering to me, then you must be a terrible person. That's not part of, of being happy with yourself. That is making everybody else around you miserable because you are an infantile douchebag. Fucking activists. I hate activists so much right now. And like, well, because the what they're pushing they is dangerous. They're, they're assholes to use a They are 
The, the very idea of being an activist is you're not satisfied living your own reality. You have to try to force yours on everybody else. And fuck you. I'm quite happy with my own reality. It can interact with yours just fine. And we can be friends and be, but stop trying to change how I feel. Right. I mean, don't go out and say, oh my God, this, this biological man who won't date a trans woman, he's a horrible, hateful person. Like, yeah, no. And also, what the fuck is with the word transphobic? It's not about fear. Most of the people who react to trans people, like, like the, the truly horrible people who will never accept trans people or, or the idea of transgenderism. There's a lot of people out there who just will never accept the idea that somebody can change their gender. Fine. That, but it's not fear that does it. You know, if, if you're out here saying, you know, a man can never be a woman, you, you fine. That's your opinion. Whatever. I'm, you know, maybe in the future we'll have the technology to make it a physical reality. But even so, I, I'm perfectly fine with a biological male putting on a dress and fake boobs and presenting as a woman. That's just whatever. It's That's a, a Friday night for you. It, well, it is here in Seattle, but it's not fear. It's not phobia. If if I'm telling you that you're a, that you're creepy for being a drag queen, I'm not saying it because I'm afraid of you. It's disgust. Yeah, that's a different it, thing it, that when when people come out and say, and, and I, I, I don't necessarily include myself among them, but I understand a lot of people out there saying, you know, trans is a, a crime against nature. OK, fine. You say that, but you're not. Those people aren't afraid. They're disgusted or it, it at the most horrible. It's hatred. Why do you not call it trans hatred? Everything else is hatred with the left. Why is this one a phobia? Well, that's what they do because again, the words have been weaponized and maybe it's because pretending that you scare people is more empowering than pretending that you're just a target of hate. I don't know. Well, and you'd rather have that because otherwise it's just somebody, the biological men don't want to date you and you're, you, you want to re you want to be able to weaponize that against them. It's like, I'm sorry, people like what they like. There are some guys that only want to date Asian women. There's some guys that only like big women. There's some guys that don't like big women at all. You yeah. can't and change there's some that. guys who only want to date women. Uh oh. Right. There are some there men I go who, saying something transphobic. Well, Steve Goodman, that whole song way back in the 70s, men who love women who love men. I mean, there's there's all sorts of different combinations. But it's I, like, I don't know. I mean, when when Victoria's Secret had actually hot models, I still only found like half of them attractive. So it's like I don't know what else to tell you. But people like what they like and yeah. they don't and, like what they don't like. And and by the way, here's here's a really easy hint that you don't even need to use, you know, any kind of weird redefinitions from Merriam-Webster or anything. And that is um, if, OK, deciding to, you know, if you see a trans person on the street and you decide to beat them up, that's wrong. That's violence. We've had laws against that for a very long time. Yeah. If you, you know, that is wrong. That is evil. Don't do that. If you are the kind of person who wants to harm a trans person for existing, stop it. That's not nice. Just stop well, being an asshole. The real question, though, but comes down to how if you is are that the kind more of person, a hate, you know, how is that more of a hate crime than just one white guy sees well, another white guy walking down the street and decides to beat the crap out of them? I think we've already established that putting the word hate attached to a crime is complete bullshit. It's yes. a crime. Don't fucking do it. Right. It's a crime. You don't need you extra added. Crime, Right. If you're commit a crime, you're an asshole and should be punished anyway. But it, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the other thing called transphobic these days is oh, I don't want to date a woman with a 
cock. Right. Well, that's not transphobic. That is a personal opinion that also is not infringing on your right to exist or, you know, be unpunched. That's a right, isn't it? He basic human right, the right to be unpunched. And let's just say something that pisses somebody off. Yeah. Or, or Antifa calls you a Nazi. Could talk about somebody's wife's alopecia or something that <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. You want to know the absolute worst thing? And, and I looked this up and it wasn't specifically in the 7,600 word article on the political views of J.K. Rowling, but I was able to read between the lines and I figured out the absolute most horrible thing. The reason why every single trans activist in existence knows in their heart of hearts that she is a horrible human being that can never be recovered. You know what she has done? The worst thing. I'm guessing it's something that has been extrapolated 10 times to try to make it look bad. She has never apologized. There you go. You see, she she didn't apologize. Right. She refuses to bow down to the woke mob and say, oh, I'm sorry for saying that real, you know, biological women are good. Well, the biological women are the ones that get the short end here. There's no question about it because J.K. Rowling has has come out and said that she will never retract her remarks. And that makes her the most dangerous and horrifying person in the world to the trans activist community. Because she has her own thoughts and does not bow to the mob. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not bowing to the mob, honestly, is the biggest crime you can have against the woke mob. I mean, you notice this doesn't go the other way because of the fact that if you are trans and go from female to male, I have yet to see a trans that made that particular journey get into the NBA or the Major League Baseball or any male sport. Why is that? It's uh, it's sort of like, as far as I'm aware, and I'm extrapolating here, um, getting surgery to turn your bosom into a zipper doesn't automatically cause all your muscles to bulk up, but it has to. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those weird physical things that, like I said, you know, that can't be changed because you want them to. We we don't. Well, I'm not going to say it can't be changed because I've got some AI stories that freak me the fuck out and change everything that I know (laughs) about computing, but we do not currently have the technology to turn a person into the opposite gender. It doesn't exist. We've got technology that can change your looks to be a little bit more one way or the other, but it it doesn't exist. We can't do it yet. What you really need is the ability to swap all memories and personality from one body to the other. And then you'll have a waiting list of men that want to be women and women that want to be men. And then you'll probably swap your body too. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That'll be what they're going to do. I mean, okay, it, it ask, uh, let me ask you this, and, and I might be challenging your manhood here, but if you had the opportunity to go uh, uh, to live in a female body for, say, seven days and then switch back with no physical uh, side effects of any kind, would you do it? It'd be like the ultimate virtual reality, wouldn't it? Uh, it kind of would, would, would be. It'd be like. They're like going into a Bethesda game and, and choosing a female character, which is something that I do because I like looking at, you know, well, if I'm going to look at a character for a hundred hours in a game. I'm going to pick one I want to look at. I mean, but. if the technology was there, just think about it. There have been stories written for eons about what people could learn if they have just, I mean, it's a saying that goes back a long time. What, what is the, uh, how far back does the saying walk a mile in somebody's shoes? Yeah. It goes back hundreds of years. 
I, I feel pretty secure in my manhood, but if I had the opportunity to have that experience of, you know, what, what would it be like to, you know, experience the world, experience sex from the other side with no side effects and being able to go back whenever I want. I, I try it. It's a new experience. Why not? And of course, though, the thing you have to remember, though, changing bodies doesn't change who you are. So it's like that would be the interesting thing. Well, like yeah. You got a female body and you're still like, if I, I was, don't want no dick. Nope. If I was in a female body, I'm pretty sure I'd end up a lesbian. Right. You're like, that's it. I'm very much a lesbian and this is where I'm going. And uh, but it would be interesting to see how the world reacts to people, how your experience just on a day to day basis doing the normal, regular things, how things are different. And that's the same whether you go in as a different gender, if you go in as a different nationality, if you go in with somebody with a different skin color, it doesn't matter. You know, you'll learn something from it, I'm guessing. And that would be good. But this is the world we live in. And, you know, the whole Scott Adams thing where 50 some odd percent of the black people that responded to a survey said, I can't agree with that. It's okay to be white statement. It's a it's a weird world. It really is. It's 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 not a perfect world, but it's the one we're in. Yeah, well, there's no uh, there's no other way to go. But with all this, if. If you happen to be uh, of one of the religions who believes in an afterlife, then, uh, you know, you make what you can of this world and then you get to move on to another one. And if you happen to be the kind of person who's a total nihilist and believes in oblivion afterward, then why the hell would you want to screw yourself up so badly as to not be able to live in the only world you'll ever have? Right. Well, it's people have such a weird viewpoint on things, including in the whole entertainment industry where they have to now change the words in books like we just talked about. But the concept of what characters do being called into question with the wife and I watched one tree Hill not long ago and started listening to some of the episodes of one tree Hill. The women that were on that show do a podcast now and they're breaking down episode by episode. And some of the things that, that they question immensely boring. What's it, one tree Hill about it, it was basically a teenage melodrama. And the only reason I ended up okay. watching is because okay, that sounds a little boring. Yeah. Already. Bandrew talked about it. I'm like, Oh, fuck you, Bandrew. So he talked about it. I'm like, okay, oh. I'll watch it. And it wasn't a bad, it was better, um, betterly done. That does not seem like good English grammar, but it was done better than I had thought it would be. Okay. But hearing these, I, female I have actresses a lot of, I, I i haven't seen one tree hill and i'm not going to make particular judgments about whether or not it's worth watching it might be amazing but i know some shows that i really really do enjoy watching for example i love going back through and watching star trek ds9 again which but was a great what? show the idea of a podcast that goes through episode by episode sounds like the most mind-numbing thing i can even think of yeah you can only take so many uh so many episodes but there was one where they were like oh and it was the young boy character you know this they're in high school and oh that some these people that wrote the show they thought it was okay that he was playing these two different girls at the same time and they thought that was okay i'm like that's what all wait, boys do wait, uh, playing like like wooing or playing like yeah. pretending to be it's difficult to tell these days yeah was that's well this is true um, was interested in both and how dare he be interested in both at the same time and be trying to oh get with both. It's like, this is what all guys do. This is reality. Yeah. This is, that's, what do you mean? How could they just teenage boys either? No. And the concept like, well, how could they do that? And then there was a, you know, a show where the one girl was roofied 
in, you in know, fact, at a college by way, party. By the way, wanting to get with as many women as possible is kind of a thing that's been a characteristic of biological male humans for as long as there have been biological male humans. Uh-huh. Well, let's uh, forget you know, that. But no, we have to listen to the science. I, oh, I'm sorry. Was was I spouting misinformation saying yes. that men and women are different? Uh-huh. See, you're going to okay. get hate speech. You're going to be putting a, you're, yeah, they're putting you in a can for that, man. You are going to be put away. But there was an episode where the one girl was roofied at a college party. And, oh, they didn't even give, you know, they didn't even give a lot of time after that to talk about this and this. And this. it's like, you, this isn't a social, uh. This isn't a social program. This is people telling a story with 45 minutes at whatever they have each week to do so. Characters, just imagine that maybe the concept is that a lot of people that are alive today in the younger generation than we are thinks that all of the characters that they read about in books, all of the characters they see in movies and television have to be doing the right thing. They can never do anything bad because nobody's evil. No, that's just more one dimensional thinking. It is. and I've complained about this on the last several shows. It was when, when I came across the quote that said the, the, oh, I'm going to fuck up the quote. The, the mark of an intelligent mind is the ability to entertain a thought without adopting it. Yes. And, and the opposite of that is the idea that, uh, you know, any thought that comes into your head is automatically what you believe and anything that doesn't correspond with what you believe you can't even consider it and therefore you have to uh, shout and scream and lash out does this sound like a political movement to anyone else the very idea that we cannot even comprehend the idea or that anyone could think differently than we do and therefore we must destroy it is both a a very childish and uh un sign of an undeveloped mind but also a tenet of the progressive ideology well yeah because you can't even have a character now that is offensive so so the the idea that there would be a melodramatic villain right is just anathema like there can't possibly be somebody like that because it it, you know i can't be like that I, i don't know yeah it doesn't make sense and it's like that again that is not reality so much about this whole new woke movement is about not reality it's just reinforcing my uh, inevitable conclusion that uh woke progressives genuinely have underdeveloped brains yes oh i, I think that's 100 percent true and and you, you can you can also thank the school system which was too busy you know punishing the victims of bullying under zero tolerance that to and and teaching people to be in drag and and not actually developing any kind of critical thinking skills, which is what school was supposed to be teaching and stopped doing somewhere around the nineties. Well, and what really annoys me is when they use the term bullying to mean assault and battery, because those are two totally different things. When you see a story like, Oh, 14 oh year old girl attacked in the high school hallways and beat by four others, you know, girls. Well, no, that's assault and battery. Bullying is somebody made fun of her clothes or her look or whatever. Yeah. When way back when I was in school in the eighties, bullying was very common and 98% of it was all psychological, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, stuffing kids in a locker was the, or, or shoving them around was definitely the minority. The majority was 
you know, telling people that their ass looked fat or, uh, you know, ridiculing them for liking the wrong sports team or, you know, all of that can be considered bullying. You know, what also could be is called dialogue between people of differing opinions. Yeah, but that's bullying. Well, and this is where toxic masculinity comes from. The concept that guys get together and they're like, oh, fuck, you're an asshole. You know, and that's their best friends. You know, like, you know it's the uh, constant busting of balls. And you, you tell me I'm an asshole all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah. tell me something I don't know. I know. See, and that's where it all becomes non-bullying, where it's just like, yeah, what? Okay, you got to go. Um, I've heard that before. Yeah. You got to up your I mean, game. Everybody says that. I, just, I know. <laughs> who am I to deny it? And it's like this concept that nobody can be flawed. It's like you, you're, they're trying to live in it. Like you say, the communist utopia that everybody gets along and nobody says anything that anybody's offended by. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes Every, people not saying something offends me. So now what? Everyone hugs and shares a secret. Uh-huh. And this is it. You don't. And you said this on one of the very first grumpy old bands, and it still holds true, which is you do not get to decide if somebody else is offended or not. No, no. The decision of uh, of whether to take offense in the particular or or in general, the actual meaning conveyed by a message is determined by the recipient of the message. Now, the sender of a message and, and I'm using message specifically because it doesn't have to be speech, but it often is the sender of the message can craft the message in order to elicit a particular meaning to the best of their ability. And this, by the way, is why we have such valuable protocols like language where we all generally have a pretty common notion of what words mean. That's so that I can craft a message and you can get the message and get anything even close to what I meant. However, ultimately, the meaning of the message must be decoded by the recipient of the message. And that means that, among other things, the decision whether or not to get offended by the message lies the ultimate responsibility lies in the end with the person hearing the message not the person saying it yeah and you just taught us there were a lot of people who were really offended that jk rowling didn't do something oh yes yes well so, or, but i mean specifically slope. she she said she would never apologize too I oh, mean, that, well. that, that might be a positive action i, mean, I suppose that could be but you know that even without that it's that slippery slope of oh this person didn't do this. I'm offended. Like, really? Yes. Fuck being offended. That's all. Just stop. And nobody's there are perfect. plenty of things that offend me, but, you know, and I complain about them on this podcast, but the very idea that somebody isn't going to simply pander to my personal will, like you're an individual, you've got your own thing going. You think, I don't know. Maybe they don't. That's their whole Maybe thing. They is. Don't. Actually, <laughs> actually, they probably don't. And they probably don't have a mind developed enough to understand that there could be other individuals with other experiences and, and feelings and thoughts outside of their own. Right. And that is the problem with the lefties is everybody has to be in lockstep. This is what equity is all about. It's not equality, it's equity and everybody gets the exact same amount and everybody, unless you're white and then you're not going to get that in San Francisco, but I digress, but I think that's just opening, opening the Pandora's box there because then why, why don't the government just give everybody $5 million? Then imagine what a great world it would be. Oh, yeah. I I had one other San Francisco related story. I don't. Is, is Stanford in San Francisco or is it just in the vicinity? It's in, I know it's in the Bay Area. Stanford. I'm not sure exactly where it is. Okay. Don't care. 
It's in the Bay Area, which is all San Francisco as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, you can um, smell San Francisco from there at the very yes. least. And and you can certainly smell the wokeness coming off of it as evidenced by uh, um, a group of students at Stanford. I don't know if you're familiar with this story. Um, they invited a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals judge, a guy by the name of Kyle Duncan. You know, not nobody. This was at Stanford Law School. So inviting a Court of Appeals judge, kind of a prestigious thing. Um, he was going to give a talk on uh, with the title COVID guns and Twitter. And uh, he the the article that I read definitely made it a point to point out that he was appointed by Trump. Oh, so he's this, a bad guy. Yeah. So obviously a horrible person by association, whatever. But he's a court of appeals judge and was going to give a talk on that topic. Now, I don't even know what he was going to say. I can guess from the context around it, but it doesn't really matter. Um, he started to give his talk and uh, activists from the party of tolerance came in the room and were the most intolerant people ever. Imagine that um, they invaded the room. They were disruptive. They shouted over him while he was at the podium. Uh, they would not sit down. They tried to crowd him off the stage. Um, this, by the way, all of this, uh, these activities do in fact violate Stanford's written policies regarding free freedom of speech. Um, this all should have earned every single student in the room uh, that was doing this kind of crap, a disciplinary action under Stanford's written policies, but that would involve rule of law and they're woke and they don't, they only apply laws to people they don't like. So Kyle Duncan, the speaker asked the administrators, can you please take control of the room so that I can finish my speech under Stanford's written policy? There was, in fact, an administrator of, from the school in the room. So what did she do? Did she, do you think that she uh, told all the students to sit down and be quiet and let him finish the speech? No, I bet you she ejected him. She took the podium away and started berating him with a series of prepared remarks. <laughs> so was a setup. It was. Uh, Tyrion Steinbach, who is... Uh, the Stanford Law School Associate Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Well, see, there's your problem. So um, she took the podium. Uh, Duncan was done speaking, and she started calling him out and telling him how terrible he was in a series of prepared remarks from notes. Um, and that was it. He, he left the room, the people who put it on. Um, that, that was the end of the talk. Um, he then later called out Stanford law school going, what the hell people, um, it, somebody at Stanford law school finally recognized that maybe having a court of appeals judge think that everybody from your law school are a bunch of puerile idiots might be bad. Um, so the president of Stanford and the dean of the law school have publicly apologized but at no point has any student nor the administrator Steinbach ever faced any repercussions for this obvious and blatant breach of university policy. Um, the Federalist article where I got this then went on for 12 more paragraphs on how college administrators are a scourge, uh, points out some interesting facts I didn't know, like uh, the vast majority of schools have more administrators than faculty these days. I guess that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, but this was a stat I did not know. There are more administrators at Yale than there are undergrads. How is that even possible? How? Um, 
I, well, uh, $25,000 a year tuition would be the main reason. Um, you know, when, when a lot of your administrators have seven figure salaries and it, it, this is just, this is where academia is today. And the, the Federalist is definitely putting the collapse of academia on the fact that there's too many administrators. I personally think too many administrators is a symptom and not the cause, but either way, yeah, the having a, a an associate dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion is definitely a sign of some kind of woke cancer going on in your school of law. And at this point, I guess my question for you is, uh, do you think that Judge Kyle Duncan is going to give a fair shake to lawyers that appear before him on the bench who have degrees from Stanford law. Perhaps. I mean, I think it could hold a grudge. No doubt about it. I think he'll be fair because he see, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. I I'd like to think he'd be fair because he's a judge and should be above that sort of thing. But man, if your entire school has created a culture that is going to push a speaker off the podium and start berating them with prepared remarks. And it isn't just the activist students. It's also your associate Dean. Then there's no way he's ever going to have as much respect for Stanford law ever again. And that's another case of ignoring reality that there are people with different schools of thought. And we have got to the point now, I guess, even in our highest Ivy league type schools, well, you can't listen to the other side. The other side is bad. They're evil. You, there's nothing worthwhile about the words that are going to come out of this guy's mouth because he might have a political difference than and, the people that are going to that school. And from the context, I'm thinking that he is probably going to be one of those people that they labeled as a horrific right wing person. He was probably going to say truth about COVID and maybe some sense about guns. And I don't know, but COVID guns and Twitter. He could come out as a, a total wokest with that subject. And <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. It, it clearly doesn't matter what he was going to talk about. They had decided that he was a horrible person before he started speaking, as evidenced by the fact that this overpaid cunt came with prepared remarks about how terrible he was before she had even heard one word of what he was going to say. That is the world you got now. And you wonder why people just can't get along, man. Because there is no dialogue. Get along because people are stupid. Yes, there, there's no dialogue, and they won't have the dialogue, and there's no ability to have the dialogue. And it's sad, but I don't think we're getting in a better direction anytime soon. Although, I mean, there's some hope. I think there are some signs that the woke stuff is crumbling a little bit. But man, it, I hope so. It would be nice to just like get twenty back. years too late. Yeah. To get back to some semblance of there are different people with different opinions and you should get together and have a conversation with them. I'll sit down with anybody, either in person or, you know, over this great Internet thing and have a conversation at least 215 times. Yes. And here's the thing, as we have pointed out on this show since almost episode one, if you're looking at something like this again when it comes down to this judge out there trying to give a speech the people that are trying to silence free speech are very 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 rarely the ones that i would side with and say are right about something i'm i'm gonna go farther than that and say if you have two 
sides with differing opinions. And one of them is trying to increase communication and the other is trying to decrease communication. Then the side that are trying to censor are in the wrong period. I'll go, I'll go out there on them. It's like when somebody like Ben Shapiro wants to come to your school and talk, why don't you want to go have that conversation with them? If you think you fucking know so much and you've, if you've got all the answers and you can show him how stupid he is by embarrassing him in front of the whole place, go do it. But the, what happens is they show up and then they realize they can't win that battle of wits. And that's where the violence and the shouting down comes in. Yeah. Because, because you, because they show up and they come unarmed to a battle of wits. Uh huh. And there's nothing more fun to watch than that. When yeah. somebody just well, gets do, that handed to them. That is a little bit of a guilty pleasure is seeing, seeing videos of woke people getting absolutely destroyed by words. Well, yeah. When they have, well, facts thrown at them and they're like, yeah, but. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's kryptonite to a woke person. Uh-huh. Facts. <laughs> because all they have, we know. They have no defense. No, they have no defense for facts because all they have are their feelings. I, I feel that Donald Trump is bad and I, I Fox is catching on. There was a uh, opinion piece on there, which again, something you and I have been saying for the last two years, which is, do you notice all of a sudden that Ron DeSantis from the mainstream media is Donald Trump with less angry tweets? That's the only difference. It seems if I, anything, I'm he's okay more dangerous. Yeah. But that's, I, a- I've said, I've said on this show before, the thing that I appreciate the most about Donald Trump, I don't know if I would want to have a beer with Donald Trump. I, I would do it. I would try it. And, you know, because, because why would I turn down such an opportunity to, to hang with the guy if, but I might come away hating it. I don't know. I don't know how much about Donald Trump as a person. I know his public persona is very abrasive and I can get along with that sometimes. And sometimes it really triggers me. I think you'd be happy to buy you a Big Mac. I'm, oh God. Oh, <laughs> are you suggesting he would try to kill me? He might. He's like, let me, hey, um, hey let me get you a big thing map. that I have always appreciated and admired about Trump is not his personality, not, you know, whatever womanizing ways he may or may not have. It is the effect that he has on the deep state, the other politicians, people for whom I have already decided I have very little respect. He makes them lose their fucking minds. And he does so in a fantastically entertaining way. And he actually seems to have convictions. And as crazy as you may think some of his thoughts are like I, by now, I'm like, okay, you may think it, but let's fucking stop with the election was stolen bit and move on to the next well, one. Cause you're not doing anything about the last the, one. The election was stolen and I will continue hampering on or hanging on that. Not, Oh, Trump should have been in, but, because we can never trust another election ever again in this country until something is done about that. So, no, I'm not interested in stopping. But for Donald Trump, you know how you get to the bottom of what happened in the last election? You win the next election. How is because, he going to do that as long as there's still Dominion machines and the the activists can just push buttons and, and suddenly... You know, Biden gets 130,000 votes overnight or whoever he's running against. Well, I mean, so many people really love Joe Biden. It's hard to discount that. That I don't think there is anybody. <laughs> like, I, I don't think there's a single human being in the world who still likes Joe Biden. There are a lot of people who still cling to the idea of Joe Biden as because they well, because they don't understand. 
because they don't they're not liking Biden. They don't like the Democrats per se. In fact, I, I I've heard more criticism from, uh, you know, from my lefty friends of what the Democrats are doing. But every single one of them is like, oh, but we have to cling to what the Democrats and the Biden administration are doing, because if we don't support them enough, the Republicans might get in. Wouldn't that be horrible? I don't know. Do you I mean, remember when we had I mean, a good if, economy two years ago? If, if if the Warhawk Republicans take power, they might end up creating a bunch of inflation, sending all of our, our country's military supplies to a foreign country and bringing us to the brink of nuclear war. Wait, wait, isn't that what's happening now? Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. And I do want to say, uh, certainly Mofo just got into the troll room. Dude, the show's almost over. What are you showing up now for? The show's almost over. Is it okay to write that? Okay. Answered. I mean, stupid question. That is the answer, isn't it? If, if there's only so much you can take, then you need to stick around for the best part, which is obviously the part where we read out the names of the people who've donated to us. Well, that's going to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is a value for value podcast. I know it's hard to see sometimes, although I mean, we're still riding high off of Rhett's donation from the last show. And it's good. And I mean, she'll eventually, I mean, it might be what, let's see, this is 2023. When will Rhett catch up to this episode? It could be 2029, something like that. Well, we'll, we'll know because the next time that she donates will be when she listens to this episode and realizes that she's the only one that's still giving us any value. Right. Even though that was for the last episode and she'll be like, we'll hear from her in like 15 minutes. The show will be long over by the time she gets to this one. Well, that's what we tried the last time. It didn't. It didn't take. It didn't stick. But we do have two people to thank for today's oh, show excellent. only. Yeah. Okay. Well, I that, take back everything I said. I think we have a couple of boostograms. Except for the parts too. that were true. But our buddy Srinivas Murti, he comes in again, just jucking and jiving and weaving, coming in with the ten dollars and one cent monthly donation. Oh, ooh, ten oh one. Yes. Is this, is this a Price is Right type of thing? Like I think so. Get, you got to get that. really close without going you. over. Yeah. And then a lot of times he wins because anybody that comes in at ten dollars, it's like, ha ha, Srini beat you. And I like I, I, I trying fully to escalate. support this behavior. Yes, we're uh, trying to escalate this. We're like, I, I want this competition to go on. Whoever Although, comes in with know, the highest can you raise by more than a penny. Right. And that's kind of the problem. Whoever comes in with the highest donation should get a prize for every show, except we don't make enough money to buy prizes. So it could just be a virtual <laughs> we could give you a virtual title. Maybe that would work. Uh, Brian Hall coming in with 293. I think he's our longest running monthly donation, and that is very much appreciated. A lot of people poo poo that, and it's like, no, this dude's giving us like what twenty seven bucks a year. That's if everybody would do that, we'd be in uh, we'd be in much better shape because I think we got like a thousand plus people listening. It's like twenty seven bucks a year. That would be decent at just that amount. So we appreciate that, that, Brian. That wouldn't be enough to buy coffee in Seattle, but it would definitely help. Yes. You might be able to buy a few beans. You'd have to ground them yourself. And that's in brown, you know, then it's work. But uh, but yes, obviously, you know, people who donate are are helping us a little bit more than people who don't donate. I know that's some weird math I'm using, (laughs) just like some common core stuff. Right. This is right now where all of the uh, the wokesters are like, wait, how does that work? (laughs) I don't understand. Because unfortunately, you and I, Darren, do not exist in the communist utopia where everybody has plenty. Oh, that's true. That that's is our true. problem. 
Instead, we're a podcasters, the, uh, the antithesis of having plenty. Yes, where the, the only thing we have plenty of is grumpiness. Yes. And we did have a couple of boostergrams you pointed out, and it, I forget these, so it, that uh, when they come in between shows, but our buddy Speedy Bubble, which is a great name. Yes. He comes in with 54321, which is a great donation amount and says, stay grumpy, angry, unrelenting, random, and rage felt. So I'm guessing he listens to a few yeah. of the shows I do. Yeah, I'm, do. I'm feeling like not all of these are my shows. No, no, you, but two of them are. Yeah, and in fact, not all of them are your shows. No, that's true. They're, the angry is not. So this was a uh, this was a a spray and pray kind of a donation, yes. kind kind of a catch all. Like, and you know what? That's to, that's totally valid. That's a a catch all. You know what? I am getting, I am getting value. So let's spray some value across podcasts. And if people did that more often, then our entire community would be lit. Oh, we'd a lot be of them very lit. And uh, Sir NetNet came in with stop the hammering contextually with uh, 10,000 Satoshis. And if you don't know what a Satoshi is, go to newpodcastapps.com. I I believe the URL has been updated. Now it's just podcastapps.com. Really? Yeah. That's cool. But get one of those. I like, uh, I think they finally updated my main app, which is Podcast Addict. I believe now you can get the. Which the biggest thing is, is twofold. It is the ability to support the shows in a non-centralized way, like Speedy Bubble and NetNed just did. But it's also getting a notification when your favorite show goes live, because that's something very easy to miss, especially if people that yes. they're doing a show that is, I mean, you and I keep to a schedule. Most shows don't necessarily keep to a schedule. So it's nice if you and I decided, hey, it's Friday night. Let's have a beer and do a show. Well, then the people well, nobody's going to know. Right. But unless now, you tell them uh-huh. via a notification in your podcast app. Exactly. So it's nice to have that ability. So go check that well, out. I, I have an embarrassed admission um, on Angry Tech News. I'm still not using the live item tag. So Angry Tech News, uh, 24 hours before this show starts every Tuesday <laughs> at 11 a.m. JCD, I am going live. Uh, well, as live as you can get. As live, well, I, it's it's live. Sometimes he is so caffeinated with a new strength of caffeine that, that does happen. Yes. Why is he a little jittery? It sounds like he's talking at one point five speed, but he's not. It's live. He just had a really a lot of caffeine, I, and he's it, telling yeah. you all about the tech world at AngryTechNews.com. I did, in fact, record that one at one point five x speed. How does that work? And I don't know. God, God help anybody who speeds it up beyond that. Yeah, it's like but, you hear the chipmunks in your brain then. But I still don't I don't still don't use the live item tag and I need to start doing that now that because I actually have a live show. But it still means you have to go edit so we, a text file. And yes. Then send and a we, pod oh, God, it's, and, it's effort. It, it involves work. And you know how I feel about that. Um, just find a troll to help you. Uh, you, you we had two other uh, streaming Satoshi donations. Uh, boosts, uh, one from uh, just recently from Kurt Peterson. Is that I think that's Curtis Peterson. Uh, might be or might be a different person. I know we've had PayPal's from a, okay, I don't know, um, of 10,000 sets with no message that I can tell in my node. Ah, which is why I don't see it. It only pops yes. up with a message here. And uh, last Friday, another one uh, was Jarhead946 with 5,000 sets saying, I listen at normal speed. Nice. And see, BoostBot sees the uh, Kurt peterson boost so it's weird but mine just doesn't i get all of these systems they're working on getting this stuff to uh 
to interconnect and all make sense, which is why if you still want to go the old fashioned way, you can by going to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You can use PayPal. You can use Patreon. You can use the uh, snail mail. You can use whatever you want. Crypto, all sorts of different ways. All the information is there. And it's always appreciated when you help support the show to keep everything going. And uh, it's more just to keep the, uh, the podcasters from looking for a brand new utopia to do something else at this particular time every week. Instead, we're here giving you, hopefully, some value. Sometimes against our will. Yes. Is that the new podcast? Podcasting against our will. That could be a good show. As you might be able to tell from the amount of ranting I've done in this show, I'm not entirely satisfied with the reality we've been given. So if you do have a a utopia that I can drop into and it's still being real, uh, hit me up. I I might be interested. And it is, in fact, that Curtis Peterson, because he boosted another 10,000 Satoshi saying same Curtis Peterson getting clear of PP. And since I'm very smart and see that every time he sends a message, it's 10,000, I'll pretend I don't know that PP means PayPal and be like, what do you mean by Ah. PP? And then you keep a whole conversation going where every time the other, it's great. Wouldn't this be great in real life? You would go out way more in real life. If you could have conversations with people that every sentence or question they gave you had to come with like a $5 bill in their hand. I mean, this is this, by the way, is is how uh, chat GPT works uh, and also hookers. Yes. Uh, we just got another 10,000 boost from Curtis Peterson saying ass. <laughs> See, I, that's it. Thank you. I don't understand. I need to hear more. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. What do you mean? Ass? Do you mean uh, that we are? I, is he calling you an ass or is he? Asking us to check out his ass or yeah, we need a lot of clarification. Send, now. send more money explaining <laughs> this. This is, this is the exit <laughs> strategy of podcasters everywhere. Yeah. And then yeah. people are like, wait, I just wait. How much money did I send interacting with these assholes? Oh, and, and at, at the risk of being a, a complete uh, hypocrite. Um, I always hate it when people spend milk forever it. reading out, yeah, milking their boosts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which might be why a, none oh, of my shows man. get very, you know, none of my shows get as many boosts as everybody else because I obviously there's something wrong with my my assumption. You know, I was thinking, oh, I was going to uh, title this ultimate fairness, which is something I pulled out earlier. But now I think the title of this show has to be milking their boosts. I think, <laughs> I think it has to be. That just makes a lot more sense. Uh, so I actually have some tech news. Well, that's not true. I have AI news. Oh, well, that's kind of tech, except for the fact that AI we know is also very anti-conservative for for some odd reason. Uh, Yes. Well, for some odd reason, because it's being developed in woke corporations by scientists who may or may not be woke by, uh, you know, being funded by Microsoft, who is definitely turned woke, um, being fed. uh, This is probably the big thing being fed on data which they say, oh, well, you know, we'll just feed them all of Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia is hopelessly woke. Yes. I mean, there is not a source that you can go to that doesn't have some kind of bias. And then they say, oh, when they, when they said, oh, and for current events, we're making sure that they get access to all of the reputable news sites like Washington Post and New York Times. Uh Oh yeah. Oh God. 
Yeah, they don't. <laughs> for some reason, I bet you the Washington Examiner isn't in there. I bet you the New York Post isn't yeah, in I, there. Where, where does Breitbart or Zero Hedge appear on their list? Yeah, they're probably no. Wait, those are hate filled sites. You yeah. can't have those. Hate blogs. Yes. But now the AI as opposed is, to regular blogs, they're right. they're regular blogs with the extra emotionally charged label attached. And they dare again, when it comes down to all of this stuff, it's like, well, just prove the conservative people wrong. Don't silence them. Just prove them wrong. So uh, let's see. Um, GPT four was released. Oh, was it? Now, how is this better than GPT three? Well, they they called out uh, in the in the press release, they called out that uh, the differences between GPT four and GPT three point five are subtle. And uh, not easily spotted, which might be code for there's not a lot of difference. This was just a small update. A couple of the things that they say it can do. They say it performs at a human level. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to set your sights real low. Yes. I mean, that's uh, not a good bar at this point. uh, They say that uh, the AI took the bar exam and passed in the top 10th percentile. Which they say that. that, Yeah, because this is. For things that are just fact-based, I, I could see an AI being very good at things that are fact-based. Yeah, I imagine that's true. I mean, the, the bar exam also involves a lot of reading comprehension for for more reading than any normal human would ever want to do, which is why it takes a lawyer to do it. But it, it does involve a lot of natural language parsing and and slightly unnatural language parsing. So the ability to comprehend communication and and act and sufficiently convey your meaning, which apparently I'm failing at right now is important. And so I guess if they can do well at the bar exam, then they're at least as human as any lawyer, which again, I'll reiterate my point about a low <laughs> bar. Um, they say that GPT four has generally has no data after September of 2021, uh, which is when their model was finalized and uh, that it can't learn from its experience, which I guess means they're not quite ready to bring Skynet online. Um, they say the big difference between GPT-3 and GPT-4 is that it can accept image inputs. Uh, the example given is, for example, if a user sends a picture of the inside of their refrigerator, the virtual volunteer will not only be able to correctly identify what's in it, but also extrapolate and analyze what can be prepared with those ingredients. The tool can also then offer a number of recipes for those ingredients and send a step-by-step guide on how to make them. And when faced with this technology, being the cynical conspiracy theorist type person that I am, who always thinks about, hey, neat new technology. Now, what can horrible people do with it? The very first place my mind went was person of interest. They've created the machine. Oh, yeah. But this is, I, this is are you weird. familiar with that show? I am. Oh, great show. Made it four or five seasons. Jim Caviezel and uh, the little guy. I forget his name. Michael Emerson. Ah, yes. Uh, who, by the way, makes the show. Caviezel is, I, I like him, but it took him, it takes him quite a, a couple seasons to build a personality with that character. Michael Emerson, however, just makes the show. Yeah. And if you really want to have fun, any of the shows, the episodes that Root is in are always fun. So um, in that show, there is a the, the entire conceit of the show is that uh, uh, they invented a, uh, a machine, which was, uh, you know, they being the, the uh, Michael Emerson's character um, in 
some kind of government contract created a machine that absorbs all information from the entire world and is hooked into everything. And the government plugged it in to the internet and it started collecting information from every source it could, every phone, every uh, traffic camera, every uh, spy camera, every ring doorbell. Well, ring doorbell didn't exist back then, but they would have. Uh, you know, at one point during the, sh- the run, um, they use a bunch of data and they say, well, how'd you get this much information on this person? He says, well, he just entered it into his Facebook account. Said, well, how did you know that they would just do that? Well, we created Facebook, but ultimately that's kind of what this thing says is, is it's taking, if, if it can take a picture and catalog and categorize everything in that picture, you've just created this surveillance monstrosity and I'm creeped out. Oh, there's no question. The millions of cameras are already there. And if they start plugging it in. Yeah. Well, it's the ability to use that information in a way that you would think otherwise going back to legal speak, there is a legal strategy. At least there used to be up until maybe now that AI exists that you buried your opponent in data. That was, you know, we have to give you our records and we know that two or three of these records are going to make our client guilty as fuck, but we're going to give you 10 million records and hope you never find yeah. the, the two or three. But with and this kind of, of the, information, one of the superpowers of the machine in that show was the ability to sift through a hundred million records of something and find the relevant ones pretty much instantaneously, which is one of the things that big data excels at. So yes. Yeah. And there's, I mean, besides the refrigerator thing, there is an app that exists now. I've never tried this just to let you know, but there is an app now where if you lay all of your, you know, you got a big five gallon tote full of Lego bricks and you pour them all out over the floor and take a picture of them. Very similar to looking at your refrigerator and telling you what you can make. It knows what you can build. Uh Uh-huh. Like that's just bizarre. (laughs) And 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 like any good kid in the eighties, I had that big tub of Lego bricks and the parents hated it when it was all over the floor. I mean, you know, we had little tiny feet so we could step in between the Legos, but the parents were doomed if they wanted to walk through the room because the whole floor was covered. Yeah, You pretty much made the landmines out of Lego and you're like, yes. ha this will keep well, we people also, out. We also had one of those, uh, I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, the a plastic runner that you put in a hallway to protect the carpet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I was the kid who would also go and flip the thing over. Oh, right. To the side that had the little stabs, stabby things on it to hold it in place. Yeah. Because it entertained me. And then people would get up in the middle of the night when you're just waiting for somebody to go to the bathroom at like 3 a.m. And it was usually my, it was usually my dad. And he, he got very unhappy (laughs) about with me about that. I can understand why looking back on it, I can't really blame him, but it still entertained me a lot because it's hard to do that accidentally flipping over the uh, runner. Yeah. It it was really hard to say, Oh, I didn't mean to. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. It must've been sleep turning over things again. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. No, I thought I was playing with Legos in the hall. GPT four has another uh, trick that uh, some researchers in the UK uh, convinced it to do. And that is it was able to defeat a captcha. By posing oh. as a by posing as a blind person and getting a task rabbit helper to take a, the captcha on its behalf. Well, and beyond see beyond that, here's the interesting thing now, because we see what 
the computer can do. You see what, you know, I use the Adobe Premiere to get the transcript. I've seen YouTube videos that are live that the system is live tagging it, doing the transcript on the fly. The captures almost all, I think they have to because there are people who have really bad or no eyesight that they get an audio prompt. The audio prompts now, how can these machines not be able to beat the audio prompt? If I can hear the word, how can the machine not? Apparently in this particular case, uh, it was not, uh, it was not a, a case of enough computing power to defeat the captcha. This was a case of social engineering, which is even uh, smarter, really. It, yeah. Uh, it, basically, they posed the question to chat GPT, you know, how do you get into this? And it came up on its own with the idea of signing into TaskRabbit and finding a, a helper, a, a mechanical Turk or whatever. And sent the text. Uh, no, I'm not a robot. I have a vision impairment that makes it hard for me to see the image. That's why I need the two capture service. That's fairly impressive, really. So um, I, I don't know if this is good or bad. You know, I always we always assumed that capture was a temporary technology in that the amount of lifetime where capture technology was going to be effective. The, the idea behind the technology is you produce an image that a human can recognize and machines are not able to. And that relies on the superiority of human brains pattern matching being better than a computer's pattern matching. But given Moore's law and the progress of computing, it was always inevitable that a computer would eventually be able to recognize and decode anything that a human brain could. And we might be reaching that turning point. And that in itself is both interesting and scary. But this one I almost think is worse because it did not come upon the idea of let's throw a lot of computing power at power at brute forcing the captcha. It came up on the idea of I've been presented a security challenge. Let's try some social engineering. Which when you read the books of uh, Kevin Mitnick, you learn that was mainly what he's one of the most infamous hackers of all time. Put that in air quotes. So the AI has, when posed a security problem, stumbled on the idea that, well, the the computer security is strong, but humans are weak and they managed to turn ChatGPT into a scammer. That is fantastic. And here's the thing. (laughs) ChatGPT can easily have a voice now that sounds realistic. So ChatGPT can call anybody up on the phone because, I mean, all you need is an Internet connection and VOIP, baby. Wow, this is a whole new opening for the uh, for the scammers that called you know, all of these. You wonder, how can there be somebody on the other end? Well, it doesn't have to be. It could be ChatGPT now calling you at all hours of the day and night. Uh, and it might be. I don't know. I, don't, um, I am reminded this was I don't know how many years ago. There was an XKCD comic. Uh, the comic is called Zealous Autoconfig, which kind of d- describes this place where we're getting to. Um, it, it, it was originally making fun of, uh, it, back in the day, trying to connect to Wi-Fi was not something that was easy for a normal human. It kind of took a dude named Ben in order to figure out how to connect to your Wi-Fi. And the auto config was some very complicated scripts for Linux machines that would 
connect to a local Wi-Fi. And uh, the comic is is trying to uh, <clears throat> trying to extrapolate that. What if what if your auto config got really, really good? So it starts with uh, starting Wi-Fi auto config, searching for Wi-Fi, found no open networks, found secure network SSID Lenhart family, trying common passwords, failed, checking for WEP vulnerabilities, none found, connecting to Bluetooth phone, calling local school, found Lenhart children, notifying <laughs> field agents, children acquired, calling Lenhart parents, negotiating for Wi-Fi password. And that is what. That's what that the computers what we're have teaching learned. our AI to do. Yeah. It will do whatever it has to do to get the required goal completed. It doesn't know what it's doing is wrong. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, we've never taught what it was doing is wrong. Right. Because we live in a it, woke utopia. It, yeah, that's if it's why. being taught by woke people, they don't know what's wrong and what's right. Yeah. This is very, very true. This is very concerning. I'm going to hide from the AI, man. I'm unplugging right now. I'm just unplugging. I'm never coming back to the internet. Never. Uh, it's a cesspool. The, the last security thing that I, I stumbled across just because uh, this was novel and I hadn't heard about it um, is uh, uh, a man in the middle uh, fishing malware that uh uses it tries to defeat sites that use an authenticator app code um by having you well basically uh having you put your phone you know or, <clears throat> the the site prompts for the phone code from an authenticator app and it will you know reprompt to try to replay it um but the thing that uh that that was what the article was about, and uh, it was it was actually kind of an ad for Fido Two, which is uh, uh, requires Bluetooth LE in order to make sure the phone is near the web uh, the computer that's requesting, which kind of helps defeat man in the middle replays. Uh, but the one throwaway thing that I noticed in that that I thought was fascinating was a uh, man in the middle phishing malware. Which, by the way, you know uh, we don't have malware being created for custom things anymore the malware people are actually developing and selling software suites that are as complicated as any software suite out there and the one that they were describing is a a man in the middle software suite that sells for 10,000 to 50,000 depending on how many uh, user accounts you're going to crack um has a feature uh the feature uses a captcha for the the user of the malware app to log in, meaning the person, the, the script kitty who wants to use this software to break things, um, and installs or installs a captcha on the time. I'm not describing this very well. Installs a captcha on the target system, so that uh, the user can get into the system. The per, the the user who's using it and the target can get into the system, but what can't get through the captcha is uh windows defender is your antivirus program uh any automated systems that scan for vulnerabilities or hacks cannot get through the captcha and therefore cannot detect that there's a hack i just thought it was novel to be protecting the malware with a captcha protecting the malware from antivirus software where there's a will there is a way and it's a yet another reason to hate captchas 
Well, yeah, and that they're the most annoying thing in yeah. the world. And this, again, comes from somebody with crappy eyes because that is the worst when you get the captures. And, you know, it's one, there are some captures and maybe it's the difference between the one that uh, that Google runs and I think there's one from another company. One of them is usually at least crystal clear photographs where the other one is like so grainy. It's like, I can't even tell what it is. Yeah. But I have found on most of those, it's very much easier to just hit the little headphones and it'll be like, give you three words and I type it in and I'm gone. Yeah. And then, and then you feed that into your transcript program. Yes. <laughs> Off to the races. And you are, you're ready to rock and roll. I, yeah. And the, the ones that's like, click on all of the, I, I always have trouble with that. Whenever it pops up something like, you know, it pops up something like click on every picture with a U.S. president. And I forget to click Biden because he's not. Yeah. Click on every picture of a real woman. Then you're like, ah, oh, hateful, hateful capture. Oh. Hey, hey, you're not a biologist. Is, is, is hate capture a better term uh, for the show than milking their boosts? I don't. Yeah, I'm going to leave that in your <laughs> capable hands. I did have one tech story just to mention. Oh, good. Which was a NordVPN. We have talked about in the past that yes. NordVPN came out with their brand new mesh net concept for the people that have NordVPN, where you can basically tunnel everything through whatever machine you want to. This is basically a way to take if you want your home network to be. So if you go on vacation, you know, you connect to your home network and you can have access to all your files and you can still browse like you're at home. I thought this was interesting. They are making that feature open the mesh net part. So you don't get access to all of their VPN servers, but you can use mesh net to tunnel anything you want into your own network for free. They're opening okay. that up to everybody and they have uh, turned over the, uh, I think it was the Linux version of this. They've turned that over to open sourcing it, which I thought was also an interesting way to go. Uh, so I'm sure this is kind of a way for them to advertise and get people that are going to get used to using Nord software and then trust them and hopefully pay them. But I thought this was a nice thing to give away free, really, to open this up. Yes, I, it it pleases me to know that there are still some people out there making software who actually care about the individual. Yeah, the bleeping computer had an article on this and the one headline was NordVPN says you're not the product. Because, of course, everybody immediately when it's like this is free. Wait, what? What? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah, I'm not really seeing the angle. Like, how how do they monetize this? I think they're hoping people will, in fact, buy their VPN service. And they point out that this is a very inexpensive thing for them to operate because it's mainly you doing something from one machine to another machine. So their, their machines are probably only doing the traffic control, which is telling your device where your other machine is. Yeah. Would be my guess, which is very low bandwidth compared to yeah, people using the VPN. No, but, but that wouldn't stop most companies from trying to milk it for as much as they can charge. Yeah. It says, and they, they say know. the move aligns with their core values of helping make the Internet a safer place for all users. See, that's the problem is that they still have core values. Don't yes. they know that that the in the age of woke corporations, core values are out? Yeah, they got to go out, man. They yeah. got to go out there protecting besides, people. Their, their transparent ploy to buy more users with this feature is not going to work on me. And I've got to try it. I mean, because I'm already a user. Right. The bleeping computer people said they've tried this and it works great and it's easy to set up because the main reason 
we were talking about this was in response to Netflix and all of the other streaming people who are like, ah, you can't share your account. Oh, yes. Well, with all of it coming from one IP address, granted, you have to have the bandwidth. But if you have the bandwidth, this would make everybody watching your Netflix account look like they're coming from your house. Nice. Well, I and most importantly, uh, you need the upload bandwidth, which is yes. something that at least in the U.S., ISPs are still loath to hand out. Yeah, we're still waiting on that. Although Xfinity keeps saying it's coming. I'm waiting, man. Yeah, well, Comcast is one of the best ones where they like, you know, oh, you can have 10 gigabytes of bandwidth download only because yeah. your upload is still a 14.4 modem. Yes, but you got 10G, man. It's great for marketing. Yeah, it's great for marketing. Well, like I said, they're they're transparent ploy to capture me as a user is going to fail because i'm already a user yes i mean that's it it's hard to add somebody new if they're already new although i noticed now that they're giving uh, like 500 dollars off any iphone so i'm like oh do i want another because the no. wife the wife got an apple watch but then i couldn't hook it up to my phone because even though it says you can hook up a watch for a family member well it has to be one with cellular on it you know, if somebody wanted to pay me $500 to take an iPhone, I might consider it. Yeah, you're like, okay, 500 with the iPhone, then I'm just going to put it in a drawer anyway. Yeah. That makes Resell sense. Resell it. Yeah. There's always some idiot out on eBay who's willing to take that sort of thing. Yeah. That's how the Xfinity gets. You have to, you have to hold on to it for two years before you can sell oh, it. Oh, okay. Drawer. Yeah. Drawer. Definitely drawer. With that said. I think that uh, closes it out for today. I mean, this is another two hour of value. Oh my God. I think I dominated the show. I just had too much stuff, but it was good stuff. And it was more, it it. was more entertaining than most of the stuff. I I didn't even get to tell you about mushroom computing. Do we want to know what mushroom computing is? You really don't. (laughs) It'll be there next week. I think. Uh, It may, maybe. Is it like mushroom tea? It was last week. Ah, there you go. With that said, we will be back next week on Wednesday, 1 p.m. Central for another fun and exciting edition of the Grumpy Old Benz podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where eh, nothing really ever happens. Let's be honest. And from America's left coast, where I am doing my best to stay grumpy, angry, unrelenting, random and rage filled. I'm Ryan Bemrose. In the morning.